the modern day prophets, John, Ringo, Paul, you need people to come together. Nothing ever gets done if everybody is kind of off doing their own thing. And so we're going to look today, uh, setting some context for this. If you're newer with us, the book of Nehemiah tells the story of Nehemiah after 160 years of Jerusalem being completely broken down, uh, the capital city of Israel decides to go back there and rebuild the city and gets permission from the king, gets the king's provisions, gets the king's protection. It's awesome and it's going fantastic. Gets the people all on board to do it and it says they begin the good work and they all come together. Now as we look at chapter 3, I was very tempted in this Nehemiah series to skip Nehemiah 3, for the very reasons that Crystal just kind of alludes to, because it's a lot of weird names. And what it basically says is, well, these guys built this section, and then these people built this section, and then these people built this section, and this section got, it just kind of goes on like that. And I almost skipped it. There are some really cool little nuggets of wisdom there in terms of leadership when it comes to casting vision for who we're going to be as a church and what it means to get everyone unified, everybody coming together right now. So on your, in your uh, note sheet today, on the back of the program, there is a, a map there of the city, how they rebuilt it. Now, we should have passed out magnifying glasses. Because <laughs> even if you don't have bad eyes, it's hard to read, but it's just to make it all make, it's going to be up on the screen here too. You can see up here on the screen where it starts. Let's start here at the sheep gate, it tells us. The, the priests start off at the sheep gate here. They start here, and then as we go through Nehemiah 3, what happens here, it says, well, they went to the, the fish gate, and then it goes from right to left. Around the city is what Nehemiah does, describes all the various construction zones as they rebuilt the city of, of Jerusalem. Uh, so we're going to hop on a quad or get your drone out, and we're going to fly over. We're going to kind of see the overarching kind of what happens here. Uh, the, the basic gist of it is, like I said, is they'll talk about, well, at this gate, there were these guys that built the gate, and then people that built the wall in between, and then there's the next gate, and then some people built the wall, and so on, and so on, and so on. That's the way it's all, all organized. As we, as we do this, uh, we, we're going to zoom in a couple times with the drone, or if we're on the quad, stop there for a bit, because there's a couple little cool little things that, that get noted in in there. Uh, it tells us that in chapter 3 that the priests start out building and all of a sudden you go, this is a weird construction site. <laughs> priests and pastors are building stuff? That's a bad idea, man. And it says they, they built it and they dedicated and consecrated it. It's important to recognize the, that, they rec that the people of, of the city here Recognize they're doing more than just building a wall. They're real big, rebuilding a culture. There's something powerful and beautiful and amazing going on here, and they're dedicating it and consecrating it to, to the glory of God, to, to rebuild the, the legacy of what God had built many, many years ago. Whenever you build anything, here's where we're going to stop here for a second. Uh, look at chapter 3, look at verse 5. It's what Crystal just read. It says, The people from Tekoa, the Tekoaites were there, and they built. But it says, Their leaders refused 
to work with the construction supervisors. And whenever you're going to accomplish something significant in your family, in your church, in your small group, in the workplace, there's always going to be those people. Like, what's wrong? Come on, come on, they can't just get on board with them. What's You're always going to have people like that. Just know that he points that out here. They didn't want to, the, the Tekoaites, leaders of their clans, leaders of their, of their district, didn't want to have anything to do with, lead, with working with the construction supervisors. And what I love about this, though, is just that's why it's important to read things like this. Look at verse 27. In verse 27, it says, Then came the people from Tekoa who repaired another section across from the great projecting tower and over to the wall of Ophel. So whether or not they had great leaders or not, their, their leaders were terrible. We're not going to work with this. The people said, we're not going to be set back by our leaders. Some of you need to know that in certain situations where you're at in your workplace, in your family, in the school you're part of, in the classroom. You might have a terrible teacher students. You can decide, well, the teacher's terrible, they're a jerk, they're whatever, and then just you'll show them you'll get a bad grade there too. Or you can say, no, I'm going to do a great job here in spite of this. This is what happens here. In the, they're going to, we're going to do a great job. They didn't just do their section. They took on another section as well. It tells us uh, here too, I love this, in verse 8 as we're uh, zooming back in with the drone or stopping on the quad. It says, next was Uziel, son of Harajah. Quick thing on the names here. Uh, it's always kind of interesting to me that these are not common names, and yet I see the way Gen Z and millennials, the way you name your kids, you should be right at home here. Um, <laughs> that's terrible, but true. Um, <laughs> a goldsmith by trade who also worked on the wall. This is a, a jewelry maker. Beyond him was Hananiah, a manufacturer of perfumes. And then it tells us here that they left out a section of Jerusalem as they built the broad wall. See, sometimes you, Nehemiah had these plans and he had it all organized for people to do certain things. And there were different people uh, based on their skill set and abilities. Some people, it tells us here, just couldn't do part of the work. Just couldn't get it done. That those of you in the military know there's, you know, what that phrase, the common phrase is, no plan ever survives first contact with the enemy. The prophet Mike Tyson years ago said, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. <laughs> so there's a bit of that going on here. It's like, hey, and if you get like, no, we have to get this done. Like, no, the important thing here, we've got to get the city built. We might have to make a shortcut here and not go on the original where the original footings are, that's all right. We'll just shortcut across here and do something like that, which might explain when you look at here, like kind of like they didn't build the city like a, it's like this weird thing kind of thing. They had to get the city rebuilt, so they just did that. In verse 13, as we scan down here, it says, the valley gate was repaired by the people from Zenoa led by Hanan. They also set up its doors and installed its bolts and bars. They also repaired 1,500 feet of wall to the dung gate, 1,500 feet. So some people did little sections. Some people did massive sections. Not everybody does uh, and is responsible for equal amounts of, of labor and equal amounts of outcomes. It, it all breaks up differently. Massive 
challenging stuff gets done here. And you can read the rest of the chapter and see the different things that emerge out of this. Massive challenging stuff. The rebuilding of this city got done in 52 days. It had been laying there for 160 years. And in 52 days, they got that wall rebuilt. Crazy what people can do when we come together right now. You know what's interesting, though, too? It's the leaders of these districts are out there working. They're not just supervisors sitting back there in their, at their office and, and looking down and getting reports back. And they're out there getting their hands dirty too, because everybody, it's all hands on deck. We need everybody here to, to be involved. Uh, and we saw, you see in here, if you read it carefully, you will see names of different kinds of people here, but not once do you see anybody listed who's a construction worker from Jericho, a building contractor from Afael or whatever? You know who he lists out? Priests, pastors, perfume makers, and jewelry makers. There is no one's named as an expert builder. Now, they certainly had expert builders, but Nehemiah makes the point that we didn't just use the experts and the construction people. It was... We need everybody here to get this done. It's why, like in the military, why even the cooks go to basic training and learn how to shoot something. You know why? Because we're getting overrun. Put your ladle down, pick up a gun, and kill somebody. No, seriously, it's like, we're over, we have to do something here. We, we might need everybody. When you need something big, massive, challenging done, it's all hands on deck. And I was talking to... Uh, one of the greatest students here at Crosspoint Church, her name is Faith. She's my granddaughter. She's awesome. And she was talking about something else and about people at her school. And she talked about like the NPCs. There's a bunch of NPCs, NPCs. And I went, NPC? NPC? Don't, don't, don't tell anybody yet. Just curious. Who knows what an NPC is here today? Gosh, that's weird. That's Because if you're over, if you're like my age, no way, dude. NPC, what, what's an NPC for those of us who don't know? Non-playable character. Like if this was a, if this was, if the rebuilding the wall, if rebuilding the city was a, a, a Sony put out a, a, an adventure game of let's rebuild the wall, there's the key people that do things and there'd be a bunch of NPCs wandering around like you see in all the video games. Just quirky, weird, sometimes just normal average people, sometimes like quirky, weird, like what's wrong with that person? Why does he walk that way or look that way or smell that way or whatever. So you'll have a lot of NPCs out there, but in God's kingdom, when we get anything done, there are no NPCs. There's no non-playable characters. Everybody has something to do. Everybody, guys, for our church right now, we, we want a bunch of you who might feel like, well, I'm a non-playable character. I don't know what to do, and I don't know where I should fit, and all that kind of stuff. Man, we want everybody in. Everybody's got to be in, in terms of serving and helping It'll be good for our church. It'll be good for you to feel like, here's why it's important. If you're not careful, you can come to a church long enough, and I've been doing this for 30 years. If you don't get involved and get on, get on a team, you'll become a, a critiquing congregant. How come the temperature is like that? These blue chairs in here. And can we turn the bass quad uh, sequencing down because it kind of bothers my eardrums. You'll become that. You become that kind of thing. We don't want any of that here. What we want is contributing partners, not critiquing congregants. 
you contributing partners kind of jump in. And, and you're kind of going, well, I don't know what, what I should do or how I should do it. Write this down today. It's one of the best points uh, that came late to me uh, this week. Availability is the best ability. Everybody in our culture right now, because you're, you've been told that you're a snowflake, that you're unique, that you're, you're fantastic and you're so special, and you, and you are, kind of. Um, <laughs> oh, I have lots of counseling with folks like you. No, I'm just teasing. But, uh, and sometimes what happens is, and there's, good, there, it's, there's great things here. In the workplace, the, the workplace has done this, uh, the Myers-Briggs test, you know, E-N-T-J, I-N-F-P, whatever. My Myers-Briggs, and my Myers-Briggs is J-E-R-K. Boom. <laughs> Somebody going, yeah, that's me. Um, there's the Enneagram. There's, there's different profiling things that kind of really specialize. Like, how am I wired? How am I made? There's the strength finder profile thing. And they're good things to do. But at some point, you just got to say, I just got to get in the game. And the best, I'm telling you right now, taking tests and profiles is not to figure out, what you have, figure out the best way what you're good at, your abil- what your abilities are. You will figure out your ability by and through availability. By just saying, put me in somewhere. I discovered this years ago. Uh, I graduated from college and not a clue what I was going to do with my life. And some friends of mine... I uh, had moved to Encinitas to help start a church down there. And so I thought, they said, hey, why don't you come and help us? I went, okay, what am I going to do? And they couldn't find anything interesting for me to do. So um, those of you that are 25 years old and younger will not know what this even is. But there used to be a thing called cassette tapes. <laughs> These cassette tapes. And churches would get them. And they'd, they'd put people in the sound, the guys, Josh, like Josh, the bag of stuff, make the master tape. And then during the last little bit, they rush it out to the place out there, and they have this console there. The master tape goes here, and 12 other tapes go here. You go, and in 93 seconds, it can make 12 tapes, and then people could take them home, and people miss church and stuff like that. I did that for two years. Availability, just like, hey, just do something, man. I, I'm not sure I was any good at it. I did, ran, here's the crazy thing. This church must have been hurting bad because they had me running the soundboard. <laughs> Shut up. That wasn't that funny. <laughs> All that kind of stuff and more. And then I went to a different church after a while and was, was there. And the, the church was beginning to experience some growth. And they looked around for some cool people to be involved with students. Because the, the student ministry was starting to grow here. And, and my name came up and they went, no, not that guy. Seriously. Because, guys, I had nothing. I, there was, there's nothing youth ministry cool about me at all. Not today, and for sure not back then. I didn't surf. I didn't skate. I didn't have a tattoo. I had, I had the worst drugs. I mean, I had done nothing. I couldn't even play video games good. I mean, I was not even good at being like a video game nerd kind of person. I was just, I was nothing. And yet, they said, we need some people to help. And I said, well, okay, put me in. You know, I discovered I had no training for that. No youth ministry background. I was not cool, interesting at all, but discovered ability through availability. And I'm telling you, the best way to find out something you're great at and want to be good at is just jump in somewhere. And here's the deal. In a lot of churches, uh, it will be the kind of thing where the super committed, the 20% of the people do 80% of the work. (laughs) 
and then 20% of the people create 80% of the problems. <laughs> That's not going to be us if we can help it. We want everybody in. It's a bit of we talk about with our partners class that we offer here in a couple of months. We talk about, man, join a group, one of our, get in one of our groups, and then join a team. It's not just because we need help with running things here. You need to do it because it's then you, you, you're contributing to something. You're not just stepping back and just watching all the time. Availability is the best ability. It tells us here in Luke, uh, Ed, Luke, hello, Nehemiah 2 verse 18, some interesting little insights here. In verse 18 it says, so they began, I have that highlighted in my Bible, began the good work. It tells us in verse 20, we his servants will start rebuilding. In chapter 3 verse 1, the priests started to rebuild. I'm about to blow your mind with an insight about how you can accomplish great things for God, whether it's personally, family-wise, health-wise, whatever it might be. The only way anything ever great ever gets done is that somebody started it. And some of us sometimes look at things and go, it's just so big, my finances, my marriage, my health problems, my weight, my diet, my exercise, my, the, the, the things I want God to, see me, to, to use me for. So it looks so big and so amazing. We go, ah, it's just a mess there, you know? You know how they got the wall rebuilt? This is a brick right here. <laughs> Write it down. Pick up the first brick. And then you pick up another brick and another brick. You got to pick up the first brick. Some of you are waiting around for the timing to be right, for you to, oh gosh, to feel ready and inspired for it. <laughs> Nonsense. Pick up a brick and do something. Just get, get going with it. Sometimes, too, I was talking to a guy last night after the service. He was telling me, he said uh, that the, this phrase, he said it was uh, somewhere in the IT world or in the military. Well, I'm sure he was talking about, I forget the specific context. But he said he had a supervisor one time at a big company tell him all the people were sitting around not doing anything because they weren't sure is it the right thing to do. And he finally said, just, I don't care if you do the wrong thing, just do something. Guys, I'd rather have some wrong things done here and some things that you do something stupid and jack it up than to be able to sit around going, well, I don't know about this and we should study this some more and have a committing meeting or something like that to figure it out. <laughs> no, what if? What if we just got out there and just got busy with some stuff? How awesome would that be? Pick up the first brick. Crystal Perry, who uh, leads worship, uh, coordinates worship here, awesome, is also has another job as a physical trainer, and the, the advice she gives, if, by the way, if physical training and health is something you need to do, you should talk to Crystal. We have other physical trainers here. This is not Crystal Training, crystalperrytraining.com sponsored by, it's none of that, but you, you should talk to her about it. Um, her little advice is, when it comes to nutrition, is make one good decision every meal. And if you just keep making one good decision every meal, Make one good spending decision every day. Make one good, just, you keep making one good decision, one brick after another, after another. It's like, remember the, uh, the, the movie, What About Bob? Remember that? And remember he, he was paralyzed. He couldn't do anything. You don't remember what his therapist told him? Baby steps. Baby steps. Just take the next step and the next step and the next step 
And the next day, some of you are waiting to start your journey with Christ because you're going, I'm not sure I can do it. Of course you can't do it. If you could do it, Jesus was a waste of time. Right. If you could do it, we, didn't, we don't need Jesus. You can't do it. All you do is you go, okay, I can take one little baby step. Just baby step it. Take, take that next step of becoming a Christian, of just saying, okay, I believe that. And the next baby step of jumping in some water and getting baptized next weekend. By the way, be here next weekend. And if you have at your home noisemaker things that you take to athletic events, bring them next week. No, seriously, we're passing some out. If you have earplugs, you might need them. We're going to have those loud horns. We're going to It's awesome next week. Be here. Get signed up. If you're not signed up to get baptized yet, uh, get signed up for that. If you have questions about that, let's chat. It occurred to me, too, uh, because I watch, uh, we have the uh, a religious uh, like network channel thing on our uh, streaming devices called HGTV. I learned a lot there about the Christian life and how we should do things. And one of the things, those of you know, before you ever really can rebuild anything, what's the first day called? Demo Demo day. Sometimes there's some demo that has to happen. And sometimes, hmm, before you can rebuild anything in your life right now, there might be some rubble that needs to be cleaned up, that's stacked up there. And you go, I keep trying to build and build stuff here, but all this rubble keeps, like, sometimes you got to get rid of some stuff. Like, you might need some counseling. You might need to, to talk to somebody about some addiction problems. You might need to get to grief share, where you've got some stuff in your life that grief has just created a mess in your life. It might be some financial decisions. You might need to take a financial peace university class, something like that. You need some rubble cleared away if you're ever going to be able to build anything significant. And then, this is not a major point today, but it is important because it's interesting that as they go around the city, they start at the sheep gate, the fish gate, all the way around there. Nehemiah says, let's go, let's rebuild, and thousands of people show up, and if thousands of people show up and he doesn't know what to do with them, you know what's going to happen? Nothing. Because nobody ever thought about how do we organize all this passion and excitement. This is important. Write this down here if you want, break it down you got to break the project down sometimes, and you have to uh, create accountability and responsibility for people. Say, hey, you got to be accountable and responsible for your area, and you be accountable and responsible for your area. And for some of you that like to be the little watchdogs over the things, take care of your own area. Don't worry about over here how come they're not building faster, and if they used a different mixture of mortar, it would just build your own section. Do your thing. Don't worry about how what everybody else uh, might be doing. And, and here's why this is important. Some of us, by our personalities, our background and experiences, are all the people that, by, you're just, yahoo, let's go, let's go build something awesome. Some of us, though, are more the people like, man, we love Excel spreadsheets. <laughs> it's like, man, that is, that is your spiritual gift in language. And sometimes those of you that are more the analytical thinkers and kind of break it down are sometimes made to feel like, well, you're not very spiritual because you're not the, what? for God like this. No, whenever you do anything great for God, you need some like this. You also need some people over going here. Hey, have we thought about having enough bricks and mortar out there to put the wall together? Are we gonna feed, how are we going to feed these people? And we're going to see next week what happens as opposition increases, the mid-course corrections they have to make. It takes some people. So all of you, 
doesn't matter what your personality temperament is. Just because you're not all, doesn't mean you're not spiritual and godly. Sometimes you got to break it down. And then I love this too. Write it down. I'm going to show you some verses. One of the key ways to get great things done is make it personal. Look at chapter, look at chapter 3 here. Look at verse 10. In chapter 3, verse 10, it says, Next, Jejiah, son of Harumath, repaired the wall across from his own house. Verse 22. No, that's the wrong verse. No, verse 23. Benjamin and Hashab repaired the section across from their house. And some other guys repaired the section across from their house. Verse 28. Above the horse gate, the priest repaired the wall. Each one repaired the section immediately across from his own house. Five or six times in here, Nehemiah tells us the way he organized the work sometimes, if he could, was he got people to build that section of the wall in their neighborhood, right where they lived. See, you have to sometimes show people, right, right down here is you make it personal. You show them not just that it's going to be a great wall for the city to protect everybody. Here you go, look what it's going to do for you. Look how it's going to help you. Guys, this is what we do as a church here. We want to be a kingdom outpost here, making a massive difference here, there, and everywhere. But as you contribute your time, talent, your money here and stuff like that, it's going to help you in your marriage. It's going to help you with your kids. It's going to help you experience vibrancy. It's going to help you work through some issues when the wheels come flying off. It'll be good for you. And this is uh, what Nehemiah does. He recognizes the more I can give them a vested interest in this, Think about it. If you're rebuilding the wall across from your house, what kind of quality control inspector do you think you need? Well, you need one? You don't need one? Because that's right. I'm going to make sure this is good. So you get people way more motivated when you make it personal for them. And then as you journey around on our quad or zooming in, you can see the next point here. It says everyone, everyone does, everyone do the same thing. And you need to cross out the word same there and write the word some. Because not everyone does the same thing. Different people got different stuff done. It's important for anything significant in your life, especially if you're leading a company, if you're leading a church, if you're leading a small group, it, it's, it's important if you're really going to get it done the way that's going to be awesome, is that everyone does something not that everyone does the same thing. And as they watch this happen, as they have all now come together, right now, they got busy doing it. 52 days later, they had a wall built and they had reestablished the city of Jerusalem. The unity, the momentum, the excitement, the vibrancy of all that. Now we're going to see next week, be here next week, because there are some challenges that come here. We don't get this in chapter 3. Chapter 4 kind of gives us a a rewind a little bit and go, hey, while all this is going on, here's some behind-the-scenes stuff and some things that were very challenging to deal with. Make sure you're here for that. But for us right now as a church, we got a fourfold vision, building blocks, four foundations that we feel like for the next 12 to 18 months are going to be important for us as a church. Last week, I shared with you the idea, like, I feel like where we're at right now as a church has great vibrancy, excitement, momentum with what God is doing here. I want to see that happen more and more and more. We, we have no apologies. We have no, the idea of, well, do you guys want to be a big church? And our answer is, you're dang right we do. That means more people get saved, more people get baptized, more people experience community, more people, all that. 
more and more of all kinds of people discover and follow Jesus. And then a guy who I really respect in leadership was chatting with me one time about some things. And he was talking about the idea like church leaders, you go to conferences and all that, they talk about vibrancy, vibrancy and passion, excitement, vibrancy. But he said, I've discovered that vibrancy without solvency ends up going nowhere. That at some point, at some point, you have to figure out how do we financially take care of things here? How are we going to make this happen? And guys, uh, everybody, do, everybody take it right now. Take a big deep breath and hold it. Now go. We're about to talk about money at church. <laughs> Some of you were newer today. Go, I finally got my friend to come. Thanks a lot, Steve. Uh, Here's the deal, guys. Our giving here at Crosspoint, we're not at a place of crisis where it's awful. Or I mean, our giving, our finance team told me our giving increased 5% last year. And we had some key people that left for different reasons. Our top three givers all had to go to different, different moving out of the area, different reasons they left. And yet our giving increased by 5%. So God's doing great things here. We're excited about that. But guys, I want to see us this year see our giving not increase 5%. I want to see our giving increase 25 to 30%. And here's why. I want to see us do some big, significant things for God. I think we're on the cusp of that right now. What that means is it means ministering an impact for you, for your kids, for your students, for all the, the things of, of, of classes that we offer, uh, counsel that we offer, small groups to be in, training, equipping. So we want that to be part of for you. You'll benefit from it. We also want to see more and more of all kinds of people in our community impacted by our church outside the walls of this kingdom outpost. Uh, and, and make that happen. Then we want to be a church that's not just about our church and just about our city. Jesus made it very, very clear the church is supposed to be here, there, and everywhere. Starts in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, like the region. And then he says all over the world. Because we want partnerships. We have them with missionaries, with Compassion Kids, with uh, Street Hope Kenya with various uh, power ministries, all kinds of stuff all over the world that we're partnered with. The more and more we have dollars coming in, we can do more and more of that kind of thing. And we also want to have what we call our just-in-case fund, <laughs> our just-in-case dollars. Here's why. Because we really try to go figure out, okay, what's God calling us to do? We meet with small group leaders. We meet, we have conversations and, you know, with different ones of you in the plaza. I sometimes have coffee or lunch with different people. And I go, Here, here's what I think feel like God is calling us to do. And every single year now for 19 years, there's always been a surprise somewhere two months to 10 months in that next year. So it, sometimes it's an emergency and sometimes it's an opportunity. Like, we had all kinds of great plans in January of 2020. <laughs> and then an emergency happened. And all of a sudden we had to go scramble and figure out mid-course corrections. And what do we do about this? And how do we move this thing around? So we had to figure out some things. So we had some just-in-case dollars that we had been setting aside. So we didn't have to go, well, what are we going to do now uh, to make that happen? Uh, and and the, sometimes the just-in-case is, like I said, is not emergencies. It's opportunities. All kinds of things we've been able to do here where we didn't go, okay, let's have an emergency meeting now to raise some more dollars because we try to, over the years, let's set aside some dollars because we, want, we feel like there's some exciting things coming. Next week, we're going to chat with you about one of those uh, related to a big honking uh, thing we want to do to extend the, the reach of our church 
all over the world. Uh, stay tuned for that. It's going to be awesome next week. So there's the just-in-case thing to, that helps for, for unanticipated emergencies, opportunities. And then um, we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen with this building and our real estate here. We don't own this. We're paying somebody else's mortgage. People from time to time, some different ones of you chat with me, go, well, we talked about getting our own place at one point, and that didn't work out because COVID hit and all that. Uh, people keep asking, should we do that? And guys, you just need to know from my heart, a building is just drywall and bricks and mortar. Buildings don't reach people. People reach people. So we want to invest heavily in people and make all that happen. But the truth is, those of you, those of you who are newer here today <laughs> recognize, are we showing up for church or to get the oil changed? Just the way it kind of looks. And then um, parking is a disaster here. We don't have a parking, well, we have a parking lot that we block off to make sure we don't kill children afterwards but as people are coming and going through our parking areas and stuff like that. And so we, we wonder, and that's a big question mark. It's our just-in-case God opens something up here. But as we do that, it's kind of interesting. I've discovered it now two or three times in conversations with bankers and lenders that, that I say, hey, we need to borrow this amount of money to purchase property and then do the buildings and then we'll make the payments and, and all that. And, and their question is always, well, how are you going to pay for it? And I tell them, we're just going to trust God. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what they need to see? They need to see that we are bringing in anywhere from seven to $12,000 more per month than we're spending. To know that, hey, you've set aside money to help fund this when this happens, and that then when the mortgage payments come due, you actually have bandwidth to absorb that. You're not just going to go, well, we just hope, kind of a thing. So here's what it's going to mean. Like I said, everyone doesn't do the same thing, but everyone does something. Starting next week for the month of February, you're going to see in your program a little uh, commitment card. It's going to lay out for you what your financial commitment to this kingdom outpost called Cross Point Church is going to be. For some of you, the first option is going to be, here's our commitment. We love the church and all that. We're going to continue giving at the level we've been giving at. And you should be excited and proud about that. Spike the ball. Amazing. Because you guys have helped us stay vibrant and healthy now for years. That may be all God's going to ask you to do. For some of you, God may ask you, maybe it's time not just keep your giving where it is, but maybe increase your giving a bit. Some of you may put something on your heart. You go, hey, make some adjustments there. Do some things there. In some cases, some of us set up our giving a long time ago, and we haven't taken a look at it and go, our economic situation has significantly changed. Has our generosity proportionally changed with that? Just, oh, something just flashed. Whoa. Pay maybe that's a flash. Pay attention to that. <laughs> And there's some of us right now that are not giving at all yet. Some of that is you're newer with us. You're brand new. Do we trust you? We get that. That sometimes takes some time. I want to encourage you. As you get to know us, jump in, support the church with your giving to help us move the ball down the field. Uh, and then some of us aren't giving yet because it just is a thing where we just, it's just tricky and difficult. I have discovered now for 30 years or so of being a pastor, that when you learn to trust God with your money, 
money is often the last holdout. It's that last thing because, you know, money talks and everything else. <laughs> um, it's, it's the trickiest thing to trust God with. I trust God with a lot of things in my life. The, the money thing is the last holdout. And you will discover as you do this, financial freedom comes. And it's not even, you're not going to win the lottery. <laughs> doesn't mean that you're going to all of a sudden get some big pay increase, raise, although I got crazy stories about that from people. What you discover is joy and a depth of your relationship with God that wasn't, just wasn't there before. And it's one of the best ways to do that. Guys, we've got it all lined out. I've, like I talked to you about, uh, what, a few weeks ago uh, when we first started the series about praying and planning and then being productive. I've got spreadsheets on this to know how we can make this happen, to increase our giving by 20 to 30%. You know what, it mean, what it's going to take? Not a few people to do big things. Because I could get a few people to do some big things, and we probably could get there. I know there's some people in our church that God's really blessed them. We could probably make it happen. I don't want it to happen because a few people did their thing. I want it to be everyone does something. That's how we'll sustain that. So you'll see that card in your program the next few weeks. At the end of the month of February, we're going to have a big commitment Sunday. I ask you to bring that back or send it in via dig a digital card, something like that. And as the band comes up right now, here's what I want to tell you, too. Don't, don't miss this. Remember that first point I made? What's the best ability? Would you say it like you mean it? What's the best ability? So availability, says God. I'm not just going to trust you with my marriage or with my addictions or with my problems. I'm laying everything down before you. Every, we're going to sing a song today, every burden, every crown. Guys, when you can do that, when you can just go, God, it's all yours. Every part of it I surrender to you. That kind of availability helps you walk with the joy and freedom in your relationship with God. People all the time say, um, well, does God really need my money? And my response is, well, God might not, but we sure do. So, <laughs> but guys, it's not even about the church needing your money. I'm telling you, I'm telling you that right, right now. If, if, if somebody in the church played one of the, the crazy lotto things, what was a billion dollars you could win? and gave us $500 million. We could run the church on that indefinitely. We would still talk about giving and finance here because it's not about us. It's about you. What God's going to do to just let you do that. We're going to give you a chance to come to places to pray today. Our prayer team is in the back of the house. You may have come in today with some rubble, some difficulty in your life that you need to unpack. And just, again, they're not going to give you counseling they're just going to talk to Jesus out loud about that with you uh, back there with our prayer team. Go back there and pray with them. There's tables of communion. It's bread and juice symbolizing the body and the blood of Jesus. The bread symbolizes his body. Juice symbolizes his blood. And Jesus says on a regular basis, eat and drink this to remember me. And, and maybe today, you know, again, it's a little nervy to talk about money and stuff at church. Paul tells us the reason we give to God is because he gave us everything. And once you get that, and once you get the gospel truth, 
that the creator of the universe didn't just come and give us some money and blessings. He gave us his son. All of a sudden, freedom just happens for you. So come and remember Jesus today, and then we're going to sing some songs together today, some great songs. Some of them will be newer for some of you. Let these songs now be an expression of your heart. Jesus, today in this place, we lay down our sin. We lay down our righteousness. We lay down the good stuff, the ugly stuff, the bad stuff, God. We lay down our debt and the financial mess, and we lay down every dollar, every single dollar. We put it in your hands and say, what do you want to do with this, God? We surrender. 